It is time for midday on this Thursday, January 7th. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Thanks for making us uh, a part of your day. Wherever you may be listening here on this misty, foggy type of day, you may be seeing some flurries if you're in the Grand Island, New York area. We'll get more on the weather forecast coming up at 1145 with our own Paul Perkins. But let's turn things over to the one and only Susan Littlefield. And Susan, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. It is kind of gloomy, though, that's for sure. Well, that is part of the time of the year, I suppose. We're, we're about due. We got uh, spoiled a couple weeks ago. I know. If we could get that back, though, a little bit, I'd be okay. Yeah. Hey, how, by the way, how much snow did you end up getting yesterday? Do you know? Um, A little over an inch. Wow. And then they, they said about half an inch of rain. So our county roads... Mm. Sloppy. Are awesome. That <laughs> awesome is laced with total sarcasm, just so you know. <laughs> I kind of figured. I'm sure everyone else did it as well. What do you have coming up for us here today? Well, we're going to kick things off at 1219 with Alex as she talks about the Angler program. And they've partnered with the Center for Rural Affairs to offer a free CEO school. So you might want to check that out if that's some of your uh, aspiring entrepreneurs that want to become a CEO or something that will have details at 1219. Then at 1245, she talks with U.S. Soybean Export Council. This is part two of a two-part series about working on developing new relationships with emerging markets with like Nigeria or Egypt. So that's going to be an interesting conversation. And then I'll wrap up everything at 117 as we speak with the folks from the National Pork Board. Specifically, we're talking international marketing. Their vice president of international marketing talks about what they're doing to get those proteins to where it's needed so that's going to be a midday from the farm team okay some interesting stuff coming up sure appreciate that uh, stay dry would you oh yeah all right definitely thank, thank you very much sure appreciate it uh subbing in for jason as he is on the road with unk is of course uh, scott foster and uh, scott has a preview of the upcoming sports well thanks tyler lots going on in sports as usual the nebraska women get another tough matchup as they take on another top 15 team they dispatch the other two pretty well We'll hear from Sam Hybe, who was the Big Ten Player of the Week for College Sports Madness and also earned the Big Ten Women's Basketball Weekly Honor Roll. One of the things she said, despite how well she's done, it's really been about teamwork. So we'll hear from her. Also, we'll see UNK's women's basketball team in action for the first time in 2021 as the Lopers battle Lincoln. Jason is there to bring you the coverage on that a little bit later. We'll hear about uh, Alabama star receiver Jalen Waddell, who's having some issues, and Tommy, the strange story of Tommy John. Plus, Holdridge has a new volleyball coach. That's all coming up in sports. All right, thank you very much, Scott. Sure appreciate that. Let's turn it over to Bob Brogan, and how are stocks doing? Seems like they've rallied just a little bit. Wall Street is rallying towards some record highs again on expectations that the uh, Democratic sweep of Washington means more stimulus is likely on the way for the economy. The S&P 500 was 1.5% higher in the first uh, first trading after Congress confirmed Joe Biden as the winner of the presidential election. The number of Americans seeking unemployment aid fell slightly last week to 787,000, and uh, it's evidence of a job market still stumbling a little bit. And uh, also, uh, the U.S. services sector uh, grew for the seventh straight month in December. Details on those stories and more in the Business Report. Okay, thank you very much, Bob. Sure appreciate that. It's 1134. 
Tough Regional Ag Weather Update brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. Paul Perkins has stepped in and, well, Paul, it's a little, uh, little wet out there, a little foggy. Some areas getting a little bit of precipitation, but uh, was that a live picture we were just pulling up out west? Yes, and that, that sunshine? is yeah, in Alliance. Wow. Yeah, if you go to some webcams out there, you'll see some sunshine into the Nebraska Panhandle. Uh, some mostly cloudy skies in west central areas of Nebraska from about Ogallala to the northwest corner of Kansas. But expecting sunshine across much of uh, northwest Kansas into northeast Colorado. But a lot of us in clouds, locked in clouds. Uh, especially along and east of a line from Hyannis down to Ogallala, down to Atwood and Colby, Kansas. So, but yeah, lots of sunshine and enjoyable day in Western yeah. Nebraska right now. It's uh, almost a to- totally different world out there. I mean, it doesn't even look anywhere close to what we have here in this dreary day at the station. Exactly, we are locked in place with these clouds. That, but those uh, clear skies did come with the price this morning. Earlier, Alliance was down to eight above on the actual. Oof overnight low temperature they have recovered now to 28 degrees so they're actually cooler than us with our temperatures across much of the area in the low 30s luckily those temperatures staying above freezing where we are seeing some drizzle and some light precipitation not making for too much in the way of any slick conditions i know you'll tell us here in just a moment but uh, precipitation is a little bit right now in the grand island area probably not really doing much down in concordia kansas but Probably not going to see a lot today. Exactly. Yeah, it's going to be pretty quiet, if anything, just some drizzle and fog. A lot of that light precipitation currently right along the Highway 14 corridor from about south of Albion to the Aurora area down to Superior mm. and Concordia. That will be lifting off towards the east and northeast, but also not uh, amounting to a whole lot. And luckily, those temperatures are in the low to mid-30s right now. And this fog is going to stick around pretty much through the day and the nighttime. And we're probably not going to shake these clouds until about Sunday in oh, much wow. of the area. Wow, that's not the news <laughs> we want to hear. There, areas, Paul. Yeah, yeah. Goodness. Sorry. Dreary, dreary conditions. <laughs> uh, uh, just like London, you would, they would highly approve of this weather. But yeah, an abundance of moisture and some light easterly winds will combine to keep it mainly cloudy today with areas of fog and some drizzle all the way through tomorrow morning. Our temperatures, luckily, are near seasonal. Tomorrow will remain on the dry side. With seasonal temperatures, after we start off with some fog from the melting snow, clouds persisting tomorrow in central and east Nebraska, but sunshine does start to return in western areas of Nebraska into northern Kansas. Of course, already that sunshine in the panhandle today. Over the weekend, there will be periods of clouds and sun as we see some weak disturbances track southeast through the region. Temperatures for the weekend, slight uh, seasonal to slightly above average, but much better weather on the way for next week. A building ridge of high pressure over the desert southwest will lead to sunshine and above normal temperatures for Monday on into Wednesday. It will remain warmer than normal in the long-term forecast. Above normal temperatures remain likely for Nebraska and Kansas Tuesday through January 20th. As some systems swing in from the northwest, above normal precipitation is indicated Tuesday through the 20th for Nebraska and Kansas. But once again, those systems moving in from the northwest, and usually those don't pack up a whole lot of moisture. In the regional drought monitor released today, most of Nebraska in moderate to severe drought. Extreme drought continues in nearly all of the Nebraska panhandle and to the south of I-80 from Ogallala all the way to Elm Creek. Kansas improved five percentage points to 24 percent drought free no dryness concerns right now from dodge city to liberal on east to the southeast corner 
most of Kansas. Not as dry, abnormally dry to a moderate drought, but north central and western Kansas continue to be in severe to extreme drought. Weather factors driving the markets include dryness in southern Brazil and no more than light rain in Argentina's forecast. A pair of storms will track across the southern U.S. Five-day rain totals could reach an inch or two for from eastern Texas to Georgia to the Carolinas. The southern storms will also produce wet snow in the Ozarks today, the southern Appalachians tonight through tomorrow, and again early next week. And the southern plains for this weekend, little or no precipitation will fall in the Midwest and the Northeast. Across central Brazil, rainfall has been only isolated with mixed crop health. Southern Brazil has more widespread crop health issues due to more stretches of dryness, especially in Rio Grande do Sul. No more than light rain is forecast for southern Brazil the next seven days. In Argentina, scattered showers will be possible on Saturday, but most areas likely to remain dry. Concern remains high for developing to reach productive corn and soybeans. Argentina rainfall seven days from now also looks to be very light. So you said we'll see mostly cloudy conditions uh, for central and eastern regions most likely till Sunday. Will we see the sun at all here or there, or is it just all clouds? Probably a better chance of at least seeing some peaks of sun on Saturday, but the better chance of sunshine region-wide for Sunday on into early next week. Okay. Now the temperatures, at least they'll be seasonal. It's not like we're going to get those brutally cold temps. Exactly, because this time of year is actually typically the coldest time of year, mm-hmm. January 5th through the 15th. And so uh, these temperatures staying at seasonal levels and not well below normal, uh, at least you can consider that lucky. Hey, so far, so good. We'll take it right now. Uh, for more weather information, where can somebody find that? Weather page, krvn.com. All right, thank you very much. Tonight, it's UNK and high school basketball from KRVN Sports on 93.1 The River and 106.9 in Kearney. UNK women and men are on the road at Lincoln University. Our coverage starts with a women's game at 520 with tip-off at 530, and we'll bring you the men's game after that. On 880 KRVN, it's high school basketball with SEM hosting Highline with the girls' game at 6 and the boys' game to follow. That's UNK and high school basketball action tonight from KRVN Sports and at KRVN.com. The Angler Entrepreneurship Journey, celebrating success, embracing failure, and inspiring the entrepreneur inside of you. This is a chance for you to like maybe engage with others that are in the same sort of mindset as you, people who think like you think, or maybe maybe even don't think like you think, but have similar ideas about how to own businesses. Thanks so much for tuning in. The Angler Program and the Center for Rural Affairs have partnered to offer a free CEO school for current and aspiring entrepreneurs. Hallie Ramsey is an Angler alum and currently serves as a business development specialist at the Center for Rural Affairs. The three classes that the Center for Rural Affairs is bringing to the table are online QuickBooks training. So anybody who is needing assistance with that or has questions on accounting software, that'll be a class for you. And then we have client retention, which again is kind of focusing on the ability to build relationships with clients and being able to kind of establish that recurring revenue. And then finally, sales acceleration and pricing strategies, which really will allow participants to build a sales strategy built on on their strengths and not necessarily what maybe like the main strategies have been when they outreach to clients. And all of the classes that the Center for Real Affairs is, is providing um, will be Tuesday evenings from 4.30 to 6.30 or 7.30. So pretty short classes that will be able to give a lot of knowledge. And again, they're all accessible via Zoom and, and will be recorded for participants to be able to, to listen in on. 
Dave Lamb is the chief learning officer for the Angler program, and he'll be teaching two of his own courses for the free CEO school. We're also going to be recording a couple of other modules that will be offered on Wednesday evenings from 4 to 6 p.m. in the month of March and the first week of April. One of them is called Startup Business Finance. And so I'm excited to talk to entrepreneurs and to business owners, CEOs, or potential CEOs about what they need to know about finance for their business. And so the person that might be interested in taking this is someone who is maybe not that well-versed in numbers, who is intimidated by numbers, and who maybe thinks that revenue and profit are spelled the same and are the same. In Peaks and Valleys, the class that we'll be teaching toward the end of March will be the ups and downs, or what I like to call risk management, and then opportunities. So we think about risk management as those things that we all know it when we start a company. We all know it if we work for a company, that there are things that are risky in that business, things that could go wrong, things that could happen. So this is what we think about with Peaks and Valleys, those times where things are going great, things are really well done, And so we think about how do we control that? How do we manage that? How do we make the peaks last as long as we possibly can and the valleys last as short as we possibly can get them to last? One of the goals that I always think about with entrepreneurship is who are you hiring? Because after all, that's where the economic impact comes in when you are responsible and help other people have a livelihood better than what they have right now. That's what Peaks and Valleys is about, and that's what Startup Finance is about, and those two classes will be held on Wednesdays from uh, about 4 to 6 p.m. during the months of March and a little bit in April. Experience in business is not required to participate, but you do need to register by February 9th, and classes will start on February 16th. You can find that link at ruralradio.com, and you can learn more about the Angler Agribusiness Entrepreneurship Program at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln at angler.unl.edu. It's time for Midday Sports. Here's Scott. All right, thanks, Tyler. Appreciate it. Time for us to take a look at sports. Nebraska women return to Big Ten Road Action on Thursday to take on their third Top 15 team in three weeks when they collide with number 15, Michigan. Nebraska improved to 5-3 and three overall and 3-2 and two in the Big Ten with a hard-fought 53-50 win over Rutgers on Sunday at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Sam Hybe, who was named the Big Ten Player of the Week by College Sports Madness and earned a spot in the Big Ten Women's Basketball Weekly Honor Roll, Led Nebraska with 16 points and five assists while adding five rebounds. She talks about the team's newfound team concept. Clearly we're playing as a team right now. Everybody's contributing in different areas, whether it's points, rebounds, assists, um, everything like that. Um, I think we're really working well together, too. Uh, We don't have to have that one player um, be selfish or want all the shots. We're moving the ball well. We're getting open looks. Um, I think we just got to keep that up. Tip-off between the Big Red and the Wolverines is set for 5 o'clock at Chrysler Center in Ann Arbor. You can catch the game at 445 today on Kemi. The UNK women ba- women's basketball team is in action for the first time in 2021 as the Lopers battle Lincoln University in Jefferson City, Missouri today. 
Head coach Kerry Amy says after a couple of weeks off for the holidays, the Lopers are ready to go. You know, it's always interesting when you get back and, and get things going again. And, um, you know, I think I think the break's a, a good uh, change of pace for our, our student-athletes. And then I, I think they're usually pretty excited to get back and get to work. And, and that's kind of what we've seen in our practices so far up to this point. UNK is 6-0 and this year, while Lincoln is 0-5. Tip-off today is set for 5.30, while the men's game is at 7.30. Those games can be heard on 93.1 The River, 106.9 in Kearney, and on the River app. Alabama star receiver Jalen Waddell has returned to practice, but it's not clear yet whether he will play in Monday night's national championship game against Ohio State. Crimson Tide offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian says Waddell practiced on Tuesday, but he deferred questions on his status to coach Nick Saban. Waddell hasn't played since breaking his right ankle while returning the opening kickoff against Tennessee back on October 4th. One of the nation's most dangerous return men, Waddell, had surgery after the game. Tommy John has been battling COVID-19 for at least three weeks. The former pitching great disputes reports that he is a coronavirus denier. The 77-year-old remains hospitalized near his home in Indio, California. He said he started to feel ill following a trip to Nashville before he was hospitalized on December 13th. His son, Tommy III, has been vocal about his opinions on the coronavirus, saying on social media that it's not a pandemic. Holdridge High School has hired a new head volleyball coach, Ryan Berner, will take over the head of the Dusters volleyball program starting in the fall. Berner, a graduate of Sydney High School and UNL, was a member of the Nebraska men's volleyball club team, which competed nationwide and placed at the national tournament. Berner was previously a coach for the volleyball club Nebraska, as well as assistant coach for North Bend Central Volleyball last season. This will be his first head coaching experience. That's a look at sports for now. For sports at any time, you can go to krvn.com. I'm Scott Foster. It's time for Midday News, and stepping in is Dave Schroeder. And uh, Dave, how's things going today? Well, we're it's going. You know, a lot of news from yesterday and, of course, uh, some from this morning uh, in a regional uh, area. And so let's get into that. There was around 8.45 a.m. this morning, Buffalo County authorities were notified about a person suggesting uh, that a bomb may have been placed at the Buffalo County Courthouse. The alleged threat was nonspecific as to the type of device or location, um, but in an abundance of uh, precaution, the Buffalo County Courthouse was evacuated and searched. Now, nothing unusual was located. The courthouse was closed for just over two hours, and assisting the Buffalo County Sheriff's Office at the scene was members of the Kearney Police Department, Kearney Volunteer Fire Department, and Buffalo County Emergency Management, uh, anyone with information on this incident is asked to contact Buffalo County Sheriff's Office or Buffalo County Crime Stoppers, and the investigation continues. And this is the second time uh, in the past year that they've had a yeah. bomb threat to the Buffalo County Courthouse. Nebraska lawmakers adopted a temporary rules and began introducing new bills today, but they were still thinking about yesterday's storming of the U.S. Capitol. 
Senator Carol Blood urged her colleagues to be more willing to see both sides of an issue and to work towards the common good rather than for the good of partisanship. Where will you go with your messaging? How will you prevent what happened yesterday in D.C. from happening here in Nebraska? We can remember that we must listen first. Listen first to truly understand that we don't need to always agree, but we do need to always hear where the other person is coming from. Blood says we must remember we are Nebraska's senators, we are Nebraska's legislative body, and we must lead by example, unquote. Blood says there is power in consensus and power in working for the greater good of all Nebraskans. State Chief Medical Officer Dr. Gary Antone fielded questions yesterday of the new strain of the coronavirus that was discovered in England and is now in five U.S. states, including Colorado. Dr. Antone says mutations are common with any viral spread, but this B117 UK strain appears to increase the transmission of the coronavirus. Now, since this variant is more easily spread, it could possibly lead to an increase of hospitalizations, and that's why we're concerned with it. It doesn't appear to increase the mortality or the seriousness of the infection, but it could lead to an increase in hospitalizations. Although there are currently no confirmed cases of the more virulent strain in Nebraska, Dr. Antone says it's now more important than ever to continue the practices of wearing a mask, keeping distances, and washing hands in order to keep the pandemic under control as vaccinations are rolled out. Well, that's a check of the latest in news. I'm Dave Schroeder. We are continuing part two of our conversation with the U.S. Soybean Export Council. And Jim Sutter joins us again. He's the CEO of the council. Jim, we ended our conversation yesterday. We were talking about the traditional markets, China, Europe, Japan, Mexico, but also talking about some emerging markets like Nigeria. And I think we should pick up there talking about maybe some other places that you guys have had success with emerging markets. Like you said, building relationships as they're developing. Yeah, so uh, a, a place where uh, I'm I'm always excited to talk to people about uh, what was our number three market last year uh, is it was a place uh, Egypt, and when I say Egypt, people kind of think Egypt. Well, how did that happen? Well, Egypt is a place where we've been working for about 15 years, and we started teaching them there the things I just talked about: how to raise chickens more successfully, how to better uh, produce aquaculture. And over that time, they had built up quite a successful and, uh, and, and growing poultry and aquaculture industry. They've also developed a large soybean processing industry. So they were actually the number three market, uh, when you look by country, for U.S. soy exports in the marketing year that finished the end of August. And that, I think, is a tribute to building a relationship early and, and continuing to be there. They have a, we have a strong market share. We, the U.S., has a strong market share in that market. They're very, uh, they, they, they have a preference for U.S. soy, and that's the way we want to develop markets. We're doing similar work to what we did in Egypt in places like Bangladesh and Pakistan today. We're seeing good success from that. And then, as I mentioned earlier, Africa, I think Sub-Saharan Africa would kind of be the farthest uh, out, but important markets with a lot of potential. 
And what would be a time frame on that? I mean, how long does it take to get something like that into place? Well, it really depends a lot on, on what happens in the country. So we look for places that have fairly large populations, low protein consumption, and an economy that's developing. Those are kind of the ingredients you need in order for them to turn into a strong market in the future. Um, as I mentioned, I mean, Egypt, we've been there uh, 20 or uh, 50, between 15 and 20 years. So that's how long that has taken. I think Africa, you know, there's a, there's a large population there. I think some countries will develop maybe faster, but I think it will take time. In the case of Bangladesh and Pakistan, we are, we are seeing them already. Both those countries were in our top 10 soybean export markets last year. And they've, in the last five years, they've gone from being very, very limited purchasers to being, like I said, top 10 markets. So they're growing rapidly. You know, these countries have, Pakistan's got 210 million people living there. Bangladesh has over 100 million people living there. Nigeria's got 210 million people. So they're big populations and they're growing rapidly. They have a lot of young people and they want to improve their diets uh, as their economy, as their economies improve and their standard of livings increase. So uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to get people too excited and expect it to happen too soon. But I think these things, if we just stick with it, I think they will happen in the future. Interesting. And I guess when we, you know, constantly hear about trade with China or trade with Japan, we're not really thinking about those emerging markets 10, 20 years down the line. Well, you know, that's really, we, we have the fortunate situation of working together with uh, the United Soybean Board, who clearly thinks long-term. I mean, they develop these long-range strategic plans. And, uh, you know, I, I think about it as that's what a checkoff should do. I mean, it, if the checkoff isn't thinking that long-term, then who else would do that? Because farmers are worried about, as you said, next year's crop. And uh, the companies that are involved are also thinking about next quarter's profit or next year's profit. But the checkoff can take a step back and kind of take a longer term view. And then we also work with the Foreign Agricultural Service, a part of USDA, and they are also long term thinkers. So uh, so we're fortunate to be in a position where we can we can work with these people who are interested in the long term. Not to say we're not interested in the short term, too, but we are trying to take a long term view. Yeah, sure thing. Well, Jim, as we round out this conversation, we've covered a lot of topics in the past couple of days from the phase one trade deal with China to emerging markets. But what else is important to mention that we haven't yet talked about? Maybe one thing uh, that we've been spending a lot of time on lately and, and certainly is important to buyers around the world or importers of soy, especially depending maybe more the mature markets, uh, is the whole notion of sustainability. I think people around the world, consumers, are much more interested. It seems like this COVID-19 pandemic is, is maybe helping to drive this or fuel it a little bit with knowing how their food is produced, where it's coming from, uh, what's been done to the land, what's been done to the people that are producing my crop in order for me to be able to eat. And here in the U.S., we have such a great uh, history and such a great message that we can talk about with regard to how U.S. farmers produce the soy that we turn that we export to these global markets, uh, we really have a nice competitive advantage in that area. You know, you see the press about what's happening in South America, how they're trying to uh, increase their footprint to grow more soybeans. Uh, we don't have that problem in the U.S. We have, we've actually, uh, you know, increased the amount of forest land in the U.S. and decreased the amount of cropland since 1980. And at the same time, we've increased our production significantly. So 
technology productivity increases go hand in hand with sustainability and our ability to help feed the world. And U.S. soy farmers are really to thank for that. So, uh, you know, I always like to thank U.S. farmers for what they do to help with the sustainability because they've partnered with USDA and the Soil Conservation Service over the years to make all that possible. So it's really a tribute to them. Absolutely. All right. Thanks so much, Jim. That again is Jim Sutter joining us. He is the CEO of the U.S. Soybean Export Council, broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska's Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. With today's business report, I'm Bob Rogan. Wall Street is rallying toward record highs again on expectations that the Democratic sweep of Washington means more stimulus is likely on the way for the economy. The S&P 500 was 1.5% higher in the first trading after Congress confirmed Joe Biden as the winner of the presidential election and John Ossoff was declared the winner of a Georgia runoff election tipping control of the Senate to Democrats. Investors and analysts are anticipating Congress will try to deliver $2,000 checks to most Americans, increase spending on infrastructure, and take other measures to nurse the economy amid the worsening pandemic. The number of Americans seeking unemployment aid fell slightly last week to 787,000. It's evidence of a job market still stumbling in the face of the viral pandemic, and the damage it has inflicted on the economy for nearly 10 months. Today's figure from the Labor Department shows that many employers are still cutting jobs as the pandemic tightens business restrictions and leads anxious consumers to stay home. The U.S. services sector, where most Americans work, grew for the seventh straight month in December, even as coronavirus cases surged through the holidays. The Institute for Supply Management says its index of services activity grew slightly to a reading of 57.2 last month from a reading of 55.9 in November. Readings above 50 represent expansion in service industries such as restaurants and bars, retail stores, and delivery companies. Walgreens Boots Alliance lost $308 million in its first fiscal quarter due to a big charge tied to its ownership stake in the drug wholesaler Amerisource Bergen. The drugstore chain also saw COVID-19 continue to eat away at its business, particularly in the United Kingdom, but the company's overall performance topped Wall Street's expectations. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. a new year, but the desire to get proteins to those that need it hasn't changed. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Norman Basic is Vice President of International Marketing for the National Pork Board. We talked about the desire and passion to get the proteins to those that need it. Yeah, Susan, I think you bring up some excellent points, and I think it really speaks to the focus that we're trying to have on behalf of pork producers at the Pork Board and that is to have a diverse investment uh, portfolio and look at a variety of markets to build our business, not just count on one or two. And I think the good news that's out there is if you look, you know, we no doubt we've had a record year in exports, being up 16% on volume, 16% on value has, has been a phenomenal contribution as we've gone through a very difficult time. But as you look out the next five years, 
the growth that's really forecasted isn't in that 16 to 20% range. It's probably more moderate in the 2 to 3% range, which I believe to be good. That allows us to focus on sustainable growth that will deliver both volume and value. And if you look at where we think most of that growth is going to come from, 50% of it comes over the next five years in Mexico, Japan, South Korea, and Canada. Those are very stable markets. They're markets that value U.S. pork. Uh, and then you've got to sprinkle in some of these more developing areas like ASEAN. There's tremendous potential that we see in, in developing those. So we've come from a record year. We don't see that kind of growth coming in the next five years, but we do see growth. So positioning ourselves to have a balanced approach is absolutely essential. So as you look at that growth, what are some things that you guys are going to do to help to continue to capture that market, to at least keep it at that level, to, to have how about the producers? So as you well know, the pork board is focused on three main things, research, promotion, and education. So we take that very seriously, and we take the investments that, pork producers have put into the international market. It's a lot of money, uh, and they're depending on us to provide a payout. So the key things I think we focus on first is research, understanding both from an economic, from a demographic, and, and just from the, the different channels, where, where does U.S. pork stack up the best and where can we capture the most value? So We've done some research projects in China. Uh, last year, we did a, a very in-depth market assessment that really gave us uh, foresight into what's really happened this year and what we think will happen so that we can adjust our investments and our expectations appropriately. We've continued that research this year, and we're going to, on December the 8th, release the Vietnam and Philippines market assessments. Both of those markets offer tremendous potential for growth. They're not going to deliver the type of volume that we'll get in those core markets. But again, it's part of that balanced approach. So understanding the landscape, where the value is, is, is job number one. Number two, then when you know that, how do we develop that business as we go into those markets? The National Pork Board looking at international markets. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Grow Radio Network. Play Patton on the Rural Radio Network as we check in with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. John, Grain's trying to come back somewhat here at the close, but still overall a downward day. Just finally taking out some pressure from the strongly higher market. Yeah, I think that's part of it. You know, it's not to, you're not seeing a whole lot of volume needed to push the market down that was being sometimes you know small lots are moving the market five six cents and that's a you know indication that there's just really not a whole lot of buying there speculators are kind of putting their first part of the year in now now it's really about what the crop's going to look like i don't think anybody's selling anything yet you know we've got a lot of time between now and tuesday so um but i, I mean honestly i think the market's just taking a pause here you look at you know news coming out of argentina about wheat they might be doing the same thing they're doing in corn where they're going to shut down wheat registration um, so the export markets are going to be thirsty, and there's not a lot of supply out there to go to, which is going to keep prices somewhat steady here. You know, 480 corn, and we'll call it 11 or 1340 would be you know short-term entries for me. I think there's 
a potential for another leg here if we get the currencies to turn around. And that might be likely to happen here in the coming months with Biden uh, now taking office. And you talk about the fact that we still have a lot of support, but maybe not quite as much chance to the upside. Does this possibly give us a range-bound market then until we get more of this crop data out, at least from South America? Yeah, I think the South American highs are probably, I, I would guess, 15. And again, that's just a guess. Um, if we have a U.S. problem, then it's like, okay, it's really on. But at this point in time, first we need acreage, then we need then we need to see uh, you know, what's the, what the markets are going to look like and in the crop year, but th- we have to get through this data first, and part of that is grain stocks. And old crop has been flying off the shelf. So, all in all, I think there's market there's market bullishness here that can be taken advantage of. And you know, the currency is a big part of it. If they start talking about tapering purchases and rates going up again, uh, that's when you probably want to start looking to move to the sell side. But until then, you know, there's no need for money. They're giving away you know $1,400 of stimulus to the general public. Once things open up here, I imagine you see prices stay high. And you talk about the, that currency, but today we saw quite a move in the Treasury yields coming out as well, trying to finance some of that debt. Anything that could be concerned there with? No, not really. I mean, again, the Fed, the Fed will buy it all. I mean, at this point in time, that's where you have you have this, this put that's under the market, so to speak. And until that goes away with interest rates, I think you're, you're kind of range-bound. That is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. You can learn more at danielsagmarketing.com. Again, that's danielsagmarketing.com. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involve risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. Their website to visit again, danielsagmarketing.com. That's where you can sign up for John's daily free newsletter. That is This Week in Grain. Thanks for listening to the Rural Radio Network. Thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this Thursday edition of Midday. You can listen to the Midday podcast sponsored by Devaney Motors. Find that at krvn.com or in the Apple Store or, or the iTunes Store or Android Store where you find any of your podcasts.